We live in a world that supports and promotes instant gratification. It's fast, it's on the move, it's in real time. Some call it the uh, quote unquote millennial mindset, but this overwhelming pace and state of mind has crept into the psyche of many. Truth is, the journey to greatness, however you define that, takes time and has a cost. Costs are not always a negative, but they are very real and sometimes expensive. Here is where we have those transparent conversations and learn how men and women across various fields and backgrounds are making that cost pay off. Welcome to The Cost with Dana Blair. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of The Cost with Dana Blair. I thank you all so very much for taking the time to click that listen button, and I hope that you share with your social circles, follow us, etc. This is a place and a space to have different honest conversations, and hopefully each and every one of you will take away a little gem that will help you move forward and dominate your dreams and aggressively pursue your passions. Joining me today, I have a very, very special guest. I first met him about three years ago at Essence Festival. Um, we shared chicken nuggets over an interview. <laughs> um, he's a teacher, a community leader, all-around walking ball of light and empowerment. His new album, Slingshot David, has just dropped on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Make sure you go get it. New Orleans' very own D1. How that was a great you? introduction. Thank I'm you. I'm trying. You know, I got to bring it because you bring it. You bring the energy, so I got to bring it too. I mean, we well, share chicken nuggets. <laughs> we did, we did. We are, we are, we are joined for life at the, at the hip now. I've never shared chicken nuggets my first time meeting someone, so that was awesome. Now, if I go online somewhere and I see you eating chicken nuggets with somebody, <laughs> it's on. And I see you in the world, right. it's on when I see you. <laughs> I heard you, I heard you. Uh-huh. All right, now, so um, just jumping right into it, many people – know you or were first introduced to you from your hit Sally Mayback, which came out, what, early 2016? Correct. Yeah, early last year had me everywhere. Everywhere. I was like, I've seen you on CNN, Huffington Post, Billboard, every outlet and radio station in between. But just truth be told, you've been building for many, many years. When did your career start? Yeah, so my music career started as as a full-time venture. This was about six years ago, so this is like 2011. Mm-hmm. And you and, were and prior, prior, Yeah, prior to that, I was teaching, and I was rapping on the side, but it was merely a hobby. So uh, a rapper from Baton Rouge, this guy named Max Manelli, I remember when I, when I was just starting to rap and I was a college student at LSU, he told me that um, rapping isn't your career or, or – in life, something isn't your career until you're getting paid to do it. And so mm-hmm. for me, I, I don't consider hip-hop as being my career until I was actually making a living off of it, and that would have been uh, in 2011. But you seem like you were going about it in a very, I don't know, practical way because you mentioned you were at LSU, you graduated college, you started teaching. You were a math teacher, right? Yes, I was. I was a math teacher, and I, I was also a life skills teacher. So um, mm-hmm. people people focus on math, but I was also I, I had double duties, and I taught life skills, and that was that was just as impactful as being a math teacher was. And what and what ages did you teach? Which grade? I taught sixth grade life skills, eighth grade math. Oh my God! Like that's a difficult age too. That's a very difficult age. And so while you're teaching. You're, you're still pursuing rap on the side. How exactly does that work? Because it seems like you were like, okay, I'm going to keep my day job. I'm going to be very 
responsible, but I have this passion on the side. I think that that's how you should do it in life. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. any other way. I, I think I'm all about taking calculated risks. And for me, being a college graduate, I didn't go to school all that time and get that degree just to, you know, just to um, not use it at all. So I, I really wanted mm-hmm. to, I really wanted to, uh, to be a teacher. And me being a teacher allowed me to become a better artist, to be honest with you, because I'm, I'm on the front lines every day with the exact demographic that I want to hear my music and be influenced by it. So, you know, for me, being a teacher was amazing. And i tell you the truth. When you want to be an entrepreneur, um, it takes startup money. It does. It takes, it takes startup money to be able to turn your passion into your profession. And for me, being a teacher gave me a stable salary that I could then um, – I could I could base my lifestyle around my salary and I could, you know, build in enough cushion to where I still had money that I could save on the side. And ultimately, that helped to fund my studio time, my mm-hmm. mixtapes, you know, my beats that I would have to purchase, my travel um, when I would try to get on different shows out of town. So, yeah, it was all, it was all a plan. It was all a plan. And how many years before were you doing – double duty, if you will, as like a teacher and as an artist before you became an artist full-time? Like how many years were you burning the candle at both ends? Two years, two years. And, and I, think that, I think that I maxed out at, after that second year because it got to the point where, like you said, burning the candle at both ends, I didn't have anything left to burn. <laughs> I, was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I was like, yo, this is tough. Uh, a whole, that, that second school year, um, my music career started to take off a little more, and because of that, I'm getting requests to perform or to record and and do this feature or to do this interview. And at at the same time, I still have to administer a math test in the morning, you know, and right. I still have to come up with a lesson plan. And I found myself going through a whole year getting between three and four hours of sleep every night, and mm-hmm. I was feeling it. And and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, something has to shake. So I would say around around January of that that final year that I taught, around January is when I said, you know what, the the plan is to finish this year out so that I don't you know quit on the kids mid year. But the plan is also to um to you know to jump into the music full time after this year. So was there one particular thing that made you say, look, I got to do this, or was it just just the burnout? Was there somebody, was like a particular opportunity or anything like that that really pushed you to make that decision and stick with it? It was, yeah, that's a great question. So number one, uh, my principal at the time, and I don't want to call him out by name, but my principal at the time uh, started to find out that I rapped because I kept it a secret from my students and from the school uh, right, at right. first. Not, not because I had anything to be embarrassed about, but mm-hmm. because I wanted to be taken seriously as a young black man who was an educator, and I didn't want to mm-hmm. seem like this this gimmicky teacher who's really a rapper, you know. So no, no, that's understandable. The, yeah, yeah. Once the word got out uh, around my second year that I was a rapper as well, uh, or that I rapped as well. I wasn't a rapper yet, but that I rapped as well. Um, the principal, I think, just being kind of old-fashioned and not really understanding or even giving my music a chance, the principal kind of gave me an ultimatum and said that if I wanted to 
take my career as an educator seriously that he suggested that I um you know, that I take my, my videos down from YouTube and that I mm-hmm. kinda, you know, stop doing this rapping thing on the side and, and really focus because to to move up in the in the ranks in terms of uh the education world, I would need to, you know, give it my all. And when he kinda gave me an ultimatum, um, in my mind, that's when I started thinking seriously about, okay, which bit they're both just platforms. Being a teacher mm-hmm. is a platform to reach your students. Being a rapper is a platform to reach your fans. Um, I said, which platform do I want? And I was attracted to the platform of being a rapper, but I still wanted to have the heart of a teacher. So heart of a teacher, platform of a rapper, that that became my motto. I love that. And that's, ob- that's obviously reflected in your music because you're so – I mean, I could see that maybe your principal didn't want it didn't really give your music a chance because we are from the land of, like, cash money, bling, bling. You know, your money goes into yeah, your grill, yeah, yeah. into your car, you know, that sort of thing. So he may have – well, obviously, he shut it down before really listening to your message because your, your message and your music is very, it's very powerful. How did you define your sound? What made you want to go – I don't want to call it conscious rap because that's, like, a label that's out there, but what made you want to take um, – uh, a, a, a route where you're you're being profound, you're being thought provoking. You're talking about investing and saving in life versus just being in the club. And of don't get to any so, track that's talking about being in the club, but you know it's it's, it's different. It's a different conversation. Well, what it was was the fact that I always love to 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 shock people. So I love that when I walk into a room and I'm a black man and I have dreadlocks and I have this New Orleans accent, people have if it's their first time meeting me, they have a preconceived notion, often a bias, to where they, they think they know what, I, what I'm about. And when they mm-hmm. realize that this man is educated, he, you know, he has a college degree, he's a God-fearing man, uh, there's no profanity in his music, you know, he's a very positive, conscious brother. I love when that throws people off. I love because then what it does is it opens the door for the next person coming behind me to not be judged, you know, on the surface by, by their outer appearance as much. And and I love that. So with that being said, with me being a rapper, I love the fact that coming from New Orleans, I already know that there was, like, it, it's so funny. I would go out of town, tell people that I rap, I'm there for a, a performance or a showcase and or like a talent show or something. And when I tell them I'm from New Orleans, they automatically think I'm finna rap like Lil Wayne or Juvenile or, you know, Mystical mm-hmm. or, or something that they've heard growing up coming from New Orleans. And I and I love that I could say, yes, I am that, and I do have that in my blood, but I have different life experiences than a lot of those guys. And that being said, my subject matter is going to be different, or my perspective on the the life events that I'm speaking about is going to be different. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to, from day one, I wanted to represent for a different person uh, than than what, you know, my predecessors may have represented for. Because not everyone in New Orleans is, you know, packing that iron and and about to knock your head off your shoulders and, 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 and got the black hat and selling dope and all this stuff. No. So... I wanted to make music to fit people's lifestyle who who aren't necessarily doing that. And the people who are doing that, I wanted to make music to inspire them to go ahead on and graduate from that lifestyle to doing something better, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I find so fascinating is that 
you know, we both, we're both in entertainment, but you're in music, and music, it, it has a reputation of just being such a brutal industry where you're often asked to compromise who you are. And how, how did you hold on to yourself and to your character as you tried to grow your career? Because I'm sure there were certain opportunities that were presented to you um, that could have really, you know, changed your game, the, the trajectory of your career in a much earlier phase but may not have felt right in terms of your character. You know what I mean? How do you see, how have you held on to so much of who you are in, in this character that you have? And by character, I mean, like, you're, you're someone who, like, so many people look up to. And, like, I would be honored to have, like, friends and nieces and nephews grow up to be like you. And it's, it's such a brutal industry. Of course, because um, I got in the game to change the game. And I didn't mm-hmm. want my identity to be formed based on getting successful. You know, being being successful wasn't going to allow me to say, well, whatever I get success, and that's the problem. I, as I'm talking, I'm, it's clicking to me. That's the problem because some of my students, they rap now, and I realize that whatever they get celebrated for, that's what they're going to base their identity on because they're like, yo, I'm getting positive reinforcement, and I'm getting money, and I'm getting attention and fame for being this guy who raps about killing people. So you know what? I'm going to continue to not only rap about that, but I feel like I have to play that part in real life and and live that out as much as possible. For me, Mm -hmm. I already knew my worth. I knew my identity, and it wasn't – it's funny. I just posted a picture on Instagram of me smiling, and I literally in the caption said, um, uh, the smile doesn't come from anything this world can offer, you know, and it's true. It's just like my smile, my joy. My my sense of self-worth doesn't come from anything that this world can offer. It's like I already know that I'm special. I know that I'm chosen, and I know that God really has his hand on me. That's why he created me. So when you know that type of stuff before before you get into the game and before you become successful, oh, it's it's easy to, to come into this game and say, no, I'm going to be a change agent. I'm not going to be a pawn. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from, that, that self-confidence? Because what you just said a few moments ago about – you know, identifying with what's being positively reinforced. You know, we have so many young ladies who may show a large amount of their body or do certain things in order, and they get that Instagram attention and then they just take the ball and run with it. Um, and, and men do it too, but we all have like, as you mentioned, those things where we're, when they're positively reinforced, that's what we're going to run with. It can be hard to find your identity, especially in this day and age. Where, where did that sense of self come from for you? Where did that sense of self come from? I would say that I grew up just like everybody else, uh, feeling my way through life, um, trying to trying to find that validation. And my family played a big role, a big role in just making me feel like I was important and I was special. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, my my grandma, you know, makes me just feel like a king. Uh, my my mother, you know, has always made me just feel just feel like I was great enough to compete with anyone, no matter what school I went to, no matter how prestigious it was, no matter what was going on in life. I always just felt like I wasn't outmatched or outmanned. And my family mm-hmm. played a big role. And then also when you get to college and when you have to literally fend for yourself, that's where a lot of people either sink or swim. And college turned me into a man because I definitely went through uh, – you know, seeing my best friend get murdered, I definitely went through um, 
you know, having a, a relationship, like this girl I was with at the time in college ended up cheating on me, and this is like my first love. So I'm like like ten toes deep invested into this, thinking like, right. oh, yeah, I'm just going to be with her forever. You know, you kind of get that wake-up call about, about like, hey, this is how life goes. You know, I, I definitely went through falling out with a bunch of my friends just because I was trying to make something better of my life, and they were content with the same old, same old. My roommate, who was my my my, my point guard on my high school basketball team, and I was the shooting guard, he and I fell out uh, freshman year. He's selling drugs out of our room, you know, and I had to I had to make a decision. You either stay in here with all this, and you know mm-hmm. something bad is going to happen, or, you know, you, you have the courage to dip out and request a, a, a room change, you know, and I do right. that, and two weeks later he gets popped and all that stuff. So... You know, oh, my gosh, just, really, just that quickly? Just that quick. Like, I literally, I, I've had I've had that feeling um, at various times in life when it's like something bad is about to happen really soon. And whenever I've ignored that feeling, I remember being on Bourbon Street one time, and I was like, something bad is about to happen. And I ignored it. I As I was getting out of my car parking, I was like, something bad is going to happen tonight. And I ignored that feeling. I was with my friends, went out there. We were out there for no more than five or ten minutes. Next thing you know, somebody starts shooting. You know, so we 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 like we're diving into the mango mango bar or something like that, diving on the ground for cover. And I'm like, man, like I I had this feeling, but I didn't speak up. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt with my college roommate, uh, my first college roommate. I was just like, something bad is gonna happen. And I'm glad I did listen to my my gut. You know, that time. Yeah. Mhm. So you talked a lot of, about you know, growing up in, in, in college, your college years and people and how your relationships with people change. <clears throat> now that you've hit this new level of success in your career, how has your social circle changed? So my social circle has, uh, has evolved to where, you know, I know like these super famous, super um, just, you know, prestigious people like Dana Blair, you know what I mean? Oh, and listen it, at you. It's... <laughs> it, it, it's just it's just crazy because it's like you know I got like real celebrities like Dana Blair who are like like texting me and you know we keeping up with me and it just feels amazing because I I I'm, I'm done with all the little all, all my little friends from out the hood I'm like yo I got Dana Blair um I got Dana Blair you're just trying to get some gumbo or something at Christmas you don't fool me David you do not fool me <laughs> <laughs> so that I mean that's that's the that's the real, but not. Nah, it, it, it's truthfully, it's truthfully something that 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 comes with the territory. Is you meet new people, and just because you meet new people doesn't mean that you form, you know, long lasting relationships. I think that I have a uh, I have a very sticky uh, effect on people, meaning that once they meet me once, they don't forget my energy or my vibe. And for some people, that causes them to say, "Yo." We have to stay in touch, you know. I we gotta we gotta mm-hmm. remain friends. And for other people, um, they might not stay in touch, but they don't forget me. And even that, that's fine because you know you, you can't be friends with everybody you ever meet. But um, I do right. feel I do feel fortunate that I have you know a, a positive effect on people because I don't wanna I don't wanna be out here um, uh, leading people away from their ultimate destiny and their purpose in life. I want to lead them closer towards their purpose by meeting me. Do you think that you can keep the same group of friends or same group of people around you and for every phase of your life? Do you think that that's something that can be done? 
Can you keep the same group of friends through every phase phase of your life? I tell you the truth. Um, I have I have some friends that we we first clicked up in kindergarten at the tender age of five years old, and and because of social media, you know, we're still mm-hmm. in touch with one another to this day, and that stuff is cool. Um, the reality is that I've been seeing lately that you can't. You can't limit yourself to your original circle. You you can't. So if those were my only friends, then that would be a problem. But I'm at a place now where I've had to, um, you know, I've had to expand my, 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 my circle of friends. And that doesn't mean I turn my back on my day ones, but I definitely right. had to expand it. Because you know what? Just like there's a day one, there's a day two, a day three, a day four, and a day five. And you might meet some cool people on those days. So, mm-hmm. so you need to... You need to go on and embrace those people too. So I got I got great friends from kindergarten, and I also have great friends from college and post college. So I take it all. Your new album, Slingshot David, which is really really good and is getting some really great feedback. I'm super excited for you about that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about where the title comes from? Sure. So this is how life goes. David defeated Goliath. We all know that mm-hmm. story. David defeated Goliath with a slingshot. Um, David knew that he was gifted with that slingshot, so he was offered other weapons, but he was like, nah, like I'm, I'm, I'm real nice with this slingshot, y'all. I've been practicing um, far before this battle with Goliath. I've been practicing with this slingshot, and I know that I'm really good. That's all I need in battle is this slingshot, and I know that God has my back. Us, nowadays, we all have Goliaths in our lives. We all have Goliaths. A Goliath is any giant that tries to hold you back from living your best life. Poverty, racism, discrimination, uh, violence, uh, abuse, um, uh, oppression, depression, Mm -hmm. anxiety, all these Goliaths in life. That being said, um, the key to defeating your Goliaths is you have to find out what's your slingshot and, and how to use your slingshot. So that's what my album is about is Slingshot David is all about I'm telling my life story and how through living life, how I found my slingshot and how I'm using my slingshot. And the goal is for you to learn me on a way deeper level than you ever felt like you knew me before because I'm telling my life story. I'm putting it all out there. But for you to also begin to think about what is your slingshot in your life and how are you going to use your slingshot to defeat your Goliaths? Did you ever... Did you ever say, nah, rap, this can't be my slingshot? Like, were you ever in denial about it, or did you always know? Did I always know? You know what? I knew it because I saw how, I knew how powerful rap was because the hot boys had me wanting to be like them when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yo, I wanted to dress like those dudes. I wanted to walk, talk, act like those dudes to the fullest. Then if it wasn't the hot boys, it was Nas. Then if it wasn't Nas, it was Tupac. If it wasn't Tupac, mm-hmm. you know, it, it evolved to whoever else was popping at, at at that moment. Because of that, I said, yo, there's there's power in being a successful rapper. That being said, it could be my slingshot because I'm a teacher. I have the heart of a teacher. I am an educator. I can use the platform of hip-hop to still teach and educate people while I entertain them. So it's like mm-hmm. I knew it from day one that it could be my slingshot, and I got into the game for that purpose. When you know why you got into the game, you're going to be way more effective, way more effective. But there's also 
there's so many Goliaths, you know what I mean? It seems like, or at least I know I feel this way sometimes, and probably quite a few people listening as well will feel this way. It seems like once you just get over one Goliath, then it seems as though there's another one not too far behind. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Uh, how do you keep going? How do you keep your resilience? Like, okay, all right, round two, I'm ready. How, how do you find that courage and that strength? Oh, it's exciting. Uh, it, it's exciting because it's just <laughs> like I promise playing sports as a, as a kid was the best thing ever because there's so many metaphors that apply to your to your regular life, you know, even when you aren't playing sports. So, for example, you get all prepared all week to play this opponent. Mm-hmm. I play for the Digby Eagles. We might play against uh, Goretti one week, and we're mm-hmm. prepping all week to play against Goretti. And we play against Goretti, and we either win that game or we lose that game. But guess what happens after that? Hmm. We got to get ready to play Joe Brown the next week. That's true. And after we play Joe Brown, we got to get ready to play Milne or play Lakeview or play Punch and Try and Park. So that being said, it's just like in life. It's like you, you get prepared for these, these Goliaths and you work hard to defeat them. And it's not like you expect, you know, the, the test to stop after that. And, it, and that's, how, that's how I feel. Like I don't expect the test to ever stop. But if I'm getting better along the way, then all of the tests don't feel as, as tough and all of the tasks don't seem as insurmountable and the Goliaths don't seem as powerful at the end of the day. When you got God and you got your slingshot, oh, man, you know? So it's just about keep going no matter what. Of course, of course. You got to keep going, yo. Got to. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited. Um, I'm, I'm excited because people, people who are hearing this album, not only are they mm-hmm. loving it, they're calling the album a classic. You know, not only is that happening, but people's lives are being changed. People are walking away from listening to a hip-hop album thinking about what is their slingshot in life. And that is the amazing part because now it's like I, I did exactly what I wanted to do. I entertained right. you, but I also educated you. And for me, that's what it's all about. You can't educate and not entertain as a rapper, that's gonna be boring and it's gonna feel it's gonna feel like detention or something, like, oh, you're pushing this message on me but it's but it's boring. No. But at the same time it's not just rapping just to be rapping without a message in it, you know. So I, I love mm-hmm. I love I love the reaction so far. Do you think you have more than that a person can have more than one slingshot? Of course. Definitely you can have more than one slingshot. Um Mm-hmm. I think that I have more than one slingshot, and I think that most of us have more than one. But all you need is one. Uh, mm-hmm. get, don't get it twisted. Uh, all you need is one. We're some beautiful, amazing uh, human beings. That's why a lot of us have multiple talents, you know, multiple gifts, um, multiple passions that we can use to change our lives and change the world around us. But don't get it twisted. Um, yeah, all you need is one slingshot. But go ahead on and and you know, do that self-reflection and really look at what are you naturally good at and, and those are the things that will make you say, wow, I actually have three slingshots. You know, I got more mm-hmm. than one. You're, you're even more powerful when you have more than one slingshot. I have a, just a couple more questions for you because I know you have to run soon because you're a super busy, busy man. Um, but your fans hold you to a really high standard. You know, mm. a really, really high standard. Do you feel sometimes that they may put you 
to too high of a standard. Too high. Because and I ask well. that. Let me think. Let me give you background on where that comes from. For your, you, I saw on Instagram that you recently posted with Seven Streeter behind the scenes from a, a music video that you guys are working on. And you've been very vocal about talking about abstinence and and very spiritual. And people in your comments kind of went in on you. You didn't say anything or do anything inappropriate, but they just felt some kind of way, like all of a sudden you weren't who you said you were. Do you feel like they hold you to this completely different standard, if that makes sense? I think that my fans, some of them are a little – What's the word? They're they're a little unrealistic about um. Mm-hmm. Well, keep in mind, I never post anything about me and my relationship status or me when it comes to um anything in my you know my private life as it pertains True. to like relationships. So that being said, um, it was just funny, I guess, for them. A lot of their hearts started beating real fast. Like, oh my gosh, like D is posting <laughs> something about him actually, you know, being flirtatious with a woman or, or, or maybe somebody that he's potentially interested in. And I think a lot of their hearts just started beating fast. And, uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, a fast-beating heart uh, lead to, you know, some quick Twitter fingers and Instagram fingers <laughs> and, 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 and leaving, <laughs> leaving comments kind of like out of, out of being shocked or being uh, desperate to say, like, yo, what is this? I'm not used to seeing this. And whatever it is, um, you know, people know that I'm human. Like that's one thing. Right. Is I don't act. I don't act like I'm perfect, and I think that I don't let a comment on IG um, dictate how I live my life either. I heard that. Um, do you still have the '98 Honda? Girl, of course I still got the '98 Honda. What you mean? <laughs> I, I gotta ask. I have to ask. And. Like, as I've mentioned, um, and for those of you who haven't checked out David's music, I'm sorry, I keep calling you David, D1's music, please check it out. He talks about no car note, paying Sally Maybach, investing, saving, investing in yourself. But how do you enjoy the fruits of your labor? That's what I really want to know. Like, have you purchased something for yourself or done something for yourself um, as a reward to yourself for all of your hard work? Um. You know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what the answer to that question is because, um, because I love what I do. You know, I wake up every day and I feel blessed to to be able to rap for a living and to be able to do interviews and travel mm-hmm. the world and perform. So that being said, it's it's hard for me to um to to say like, oh yeah, like I know that you know I've purchased this or that I do this stuff to really enjoy the fruits of my labor. To me. Life is about enjoying your labor, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like hopefully, you know, that's why we do this is that we enjoy our labor. But um, maybe that's something that, you know, we need to talk more about or that I need to just grow and mature a little bit in terms of how to actually, um, you know, clock out sometimes and, 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 like you said, enjoy the fruits of my labor. I'm, I'm going to try it as much as possible the last uh, three weeks of this year because I'm, I'm actually home. I don't have mm-hmm. to travel, and I'm going to just enjoy doing the things, catching up with people who it may not be work-related, but it's like, yo, I'm just enjoying that time that we able to spend together or, you know, enjoying going and taking my grandpa 
to the bowling alley or something like that because I know that's like our pastime that we love to do together or, you know, things like that. So, yeah, maybe, you know, and, and that comes along with balance. You know, I'm, I'm sure you, know, right. you, you find you find you find that right person in your life that can help balance you off. That's what, what a lot of people say is like their life partner ultimately helps balance them off and whatnot. So, you know, I'm sure I, I could be way more um, way more uh, well-balanced than what I am, but I'm not I'm not unhappy by any means. But, yeah, enjoying the fruits of my labor, I don't know. I got to learn how to do that maybe. <laughs> no, but, you know, I think it's so beautiful, though, that you said your labor is something that you enjoy. You know what I mean? A lot of people may work, 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 and they're so focused on the work and the next step and this and that that they never take that step back. But it seems like you're very present in in all phases of your life, which is a beautiful thing. So you may not need to take that step back. You know what I mean? Yep, yep, yep. And that's, you know, that's what I'm trying to – that's what I'm trying to assess. I, like, I'm yeah, trying to, I don't want to act like I have it all figured out, but, yeah, I'm trying right. to assess that in real time. Yeah, so – you know, What's the biggest uh, misconception about you, David? And I'm going to stop calling ooh. you David. I promise. Nah, it's all good. So <laughs> the biggest, nah, that, that's my name. I mean, literally, that's my name. Long as long as people know that I'm D1, the rapper, so when they go get my album, Slingshot David, available right now on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, et cetera, et cetera, long as they know to go search D1, I don't mind uh, my fans referring to me as David. Like, I take... I take pride in what my people name me, and I think it's it's great. And then you know me, so you know I can't sit here and act Hollywood with you. Like you, you know me <laughs> okay, so, take a for real. But I, uh, I think the biggest misconception that fans have about me is that I have this big, huge team around me that's calling all the shots. So when they see me on CNN, they see me traveling, touring all over the country. Um, they see me on the real or ESPN or just on these big media outlets. I think they just feel like, wow, like his team is amazing. They're opening all those doors. And the truth is I'm actually looking, you know, adamantly looking for the right team around me that can help foster the growth that I've experienced the past few years because I know that right now I'm like a business that is still working out of their garage, but Mm -hmm. You are doing worldwide things, and you have a worldwide fan base and clientele. So now it's time to expand and and move from you know your garage to getting some real office space. You know, and and and, right. and you need more employees. So that that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, yeah. Because you, I was gonna say, you always show up by yourself. You're always like, hey, I'm here. No big there you entourage. Go. No, there you, go. you know, uh, lots of red tape or anything like that. No, you're very like present and and easily approachable, which is a great thing. Um, what advice would you give to um, millennials out there? Because I'll talk every episode about this millennial mindset and that um, the generation gets a bad rap, but also there's this social media that comes into play for the generation where things feel like they're instant or they happen overnight. What advice would you give to someone listening who's out there thinking that their success may happen overnight um, or that the journey doesn't come with some growing pains? Yeah, if you think it's going to happen overnight, you've been lied to. Uh, That's what I want (laughs) them to know. Like, it it doesn't happen overnight for anyone. And the other thing I would say is in order to stand out in this world, you literally have to be great nowadays. Good isn't good enough to stand out because there's a lot of people that are good at what they do. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that are very good at what they do. But if you want to be that level five, that, that, 
that trailblazer, that game changer. Um, in your industry, you have to be great. So some of this time that y'all are spending thinking about, you know, how you're going to flex on the gram and all that, you need to be thinking about how you're going to perfect your craft because being great at what you do is what's going to allow you to flex on the gram, but you won't be lying and stunting when you flex. You'll be just posting real life and like, hey, this is what I'm really doing and this is where I'm really at and my gift really made room for me. Mm-hmm. That is like an amazing, that's like a tweetable right there. I'm going to have to pull that out and tweet that. Um, Believe it. <laughs> usually I end um, every episode with asking like what's a quote or a scripture or something that really means a lot to you that you go back to to find strength and courage. But for you, you're often talking about being real, being righteous, and being relevant. And I feel like yeah. that's a great way to wrap this conversation. Can you share with our listeners what that means to you, being real, being righteous, and being relevant? Yep. Yep, so that so that's my motto that that I came up with. That's what I live by. Uh, it's called threes up. So I, I, I throw my three fingers up. That's my pinky, my ring finger, and my middle finger. I throw them threes up, and I say be real, be righteous, be relevant. Let me explain. To be real means that you look in the mirror every morning and you love the person that you are. God created you on purpose and for a purpose. So you're able to be real with yourself. You don't have to get into costume to walk out there into the world every day. To be righteous is simply to know that doing right is right and doing wrong is wrong. It's that easy. Like, this world has you thinking that doing wrong is right and doing right is actually wrong. Not true. So you should strive mm-hmm. to be righteous, and that comes with keeping God first in your life. Um, number three, to be relevant. Being relevant is exciting because that means that in this competitive world, you literally have to shut up and grind. You literally have to, like, you got to be great. You got to stand out at what you do. And to be relevant simply means that you're going to make sure that what you bring to the table is something that can't be duplicated. And that will mm-hmm. always allow you to be relevant. So that's my motto. Be real, be righteous, and be relevant. I think everyone can apply that to their lives no matter what industry they're in. Thank you so much just for, like, everything that you shared, for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're super busy. Everyone listening, please be sure to get his album, Slingshot David. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Amazon. Follow him on social media at D1 Music. That's D-E-E, the number one music. David, D1, thank you so very, very much. Much love, D. All good. All right. Well, that wraps another great episode. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and, of course, share with your tribe, even the people that you don't like. And don't forget to follow me at Justina Blair, where you can let me know how you're making the cost pay off for you.